let's let's go to Genesis 50. This uh, I was just checking Joy's notes. Uh, I was not here. I forgot where we left off. We just starting into the uh, fifth dispensation, dispensation of uh, the law. We'll spend a little bit of time here, cover some things. Guys, listen to me real careful, okay? If I say something and you don't understand me because of the echo, let, let me know, okay? It's more important to me that you guys hear what I say. I'm trying to keep it down so it doesn't echo so much, but I still want you all to hear, okay? So uh, the, the, the dispensation, listen, every dispensation, it's important that you understand, God tells man something. Whatever God tells man, man is judged according to how he obeys or disobeys what God says. Man is not allowed to alter what God says to please himself. That's where we're living. People say there's different ways of salvation. God is the one who put in plan the one way to be saved. When somebody stands before the great white throne judgment, they can run whatever argument they want to run about their religious system. And God will say, but I told you. And there it was in the word of God. So we were covering the fourth uh, dispensation, finishing up the fourth dispensation of promise. And that ends up, okay, here in Genesis 50. Look at there in verse 26. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. God's judgment on Abraham's seed is what? It's slavery in Egypt because they did not do what God told them to do. Uh, a coffin in Egypt is not a good place to be. Then we to go to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. What we're going to see is the Lord gives us uh, the family that goes down. A family goes down into Egypt and a nation is birthed from there. Now here's the judgment of God, verse 7. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of children, I'm sorry, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them out of the land. Therefore did, therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel." And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. At rigor, that definition is hardness. You know, you get out from underneath the Lord's protection, the Lord's blessing, the Lord's will, you're going to have a hard life. 
The way of the transgressor, the Bible says, is hard. The devil is a taskmaster. The world is a... The world will try to squeeze the best years, the best vitality out of you for their purposes, just like Egypt. You just take... It's severe. It's strict. It's violent. Verse 14, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Now, what I want to do is also take, I I want to try to show you something from the Bible. When you read your Bible, you're always looking for the Lord to try to give you something, okay? There's principles that God lays down in his words. Let's start in verse uh, verse 17, verse 15. The king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the, chi- the men children arrived. So what did those women do? Ben. They disobeyed the government. They disobeyed the king. Can you give me a verse about what New Testament Christians are supposed to do? Daniel? Okay, that's good. There's another one in the book of Romans, though. Huh? Do you know what I'm getting at? Okay, go to Romans. I'll show you. Find it. Chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to what? Were they being subject to the higher powers? No, they were not. Let's continue on. And the midwives, okay, uh, they kept the children alive. Verse 18, and the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? Verse 19, and the midwives said unto Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Do you think that's the truth? I don't either. Okay, so they did what? They didn't obey, and then they what? It looks like they lied. Do we have any verses on lying in the Bible? Thou shalt not lie. So God's obviously going to be very hot with these midwives and judge them harshly. 
Verse 20, therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very, waxed very uh, mighty. Verse 21, and it came to pass because the midwives, what? They feared God. That he, what? Made them houses. Pretty good deal. Okay, so what principle do we learn from that? Is there anything that's applicable to us today? Uh, go ahead, uh, Josh. That's what the apostle says. Better to obey God, right? I'll tell you another thing. It's, it was none of Pharaoh's business about those children. Government has no right to invade in the home. The home is a sovereign place that God has given to us. That man is the head of the home and God has given him the right and the authority and the power to rule his home. Now, he's also given you guidelines, etc., from the word of God, and we will give account of how we did that, but the government has no right. Now, guys, if you run that too far on not obeying the government, then you're going to go on into a ditch. Like there's some people, they don't believe the government has the right to tell us that we have to get a license to drive a car. Therefore, they don't get a license. Well... I didn't build the roads, and you didn't build the roads. And I don't personally have a problem with that, okay? Uh, so you have to be real careful as you study your Bible. With the, I believe the government's responsibility is to protect us. Are you with me? When they make rules that violate... See, I don't like my tax dollars going to the government because the government finances abortion. I believe abortion is murder. So any way I can keep any tax dollars away from our government, I am going to do it as legally as I can. But if I have to, I mean, I, I own a house. I have to pay taxes every year. That's really a misnomer. I really don't own that house. I just pay for it. I live there. But if I don't pay my taxes, I am not living there very long. So anyway, what, what I want to do is, what I wanted to do is show you, here's a passage of scripture that you can learn some principles for your life so you can establish which way you're going to go because there's going to be some problems where the government tells you one thing and the Bible tells you something else. And somebody say, well, if you don't follow the government, you're a lawbreaker. I'd rather be a lawbreaker than God's lawbreaker. Amen. And so we'll follow the Lord there. Okay, so what we're coming up to now is the fifth dispensation, and that's the dispensation that is called the law, the giving of the law. Uh, God's dealings is always according to his written law. Law is based on the justice of God. Now, when you're talking about the justice of God, there's something that does not exist. Could you take a guess what it might be? No mercy. 
justice, no mercy. Remember when that woman was taken in adultery and they brought her to the Lord? What did the Lord show her? He jumped right out of the bounds of that dispensation and showed her mercy. None of those Jews expected any mercy because the law shows no mercy. The people of this dispensation is the nation of Israel. This is exclusive. It's discriminatory, according to the popular vocabulary of the day. Um, it's the people of, it's not the Jews. I want to give you a few verses. Uh, it's not the Gentiles. Romans chapter number two. You don't have to turn there. I'll read them to you. You may turn there. You can just jot them down if you want. This is Romans chapter 2 and verse 12. The Bible says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. The law was not given to the Gentiles. It was given to uh, the Jews. I want to tell you something else. The law was not given to born-again Christians in our uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Uh, no, Romans chapter 6. I want you to look at these verses with me. Romans chapter 6. People who, people who do not want to follow the principles of the Word of God in the day and age in which we're living and live a separated and holy life, they tell us we're not under the law, we're under grace, so we can do whatever we want to do. I want to show you from the book that that is not God's teaching. Uh, Romans 6, verse 14. This is the verse they'll use. For sin shall not have dominion over you. And, of course, the first verse in chapter 6 is, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the obvious answer is no, God forbid. So, verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Now keep your finger there and go with me to Galatians chapter 2, if you would. Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians 2, look at verse 16. Galatians 2 and verse 16. This is the greatest verse to show someone that thinks they can earn their way to heaven by working their way to heaven. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the, of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Guys, that's pretty plain, plain okay? Now, I want you to look at uh, chapter 3 in Galatians, verse 13. Chapter 3, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the what? The curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? You break the law and there's judgment and there's death. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
He hasn't taken the law away as a guideline for us. We have been redeemed from the curse. I am not going to suffer the wages of sin for breaking. Uh, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have broken the law. The curse of the law is thou shalt die. I'm not going to die because Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Going back to uh, Romans 6 and verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the curse of the law. The law, but under grace. For by grace he is saved through faith. That law... Is uh, that law was fulfilled at Calvary? Go with me to Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Caleb taught us in Galatians the law was a what? For us, it's a schoolmaster. It was a schoolmaster to do what? Bring us to Christ. Uh, Colossians 2, verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, And took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So the Lord fulfilled the law for us, and he blotted away with the blood of Christ. Now the time period for the law is obviously when the Lord gave the Jews the law, Moses up on Mount Sinai, and uh, it goes to Calvary. If you have uh, a Bible with Archbishop Usher's uh, timeline, Exodus 19 is uh, 1491 B.C. And then uh, in Luke, the crucifixion was in A.D. 33. So that's like 1,524 years. So uh, this starts at Mount Sinai. However you say that. How do you spell Sinai? S-I-N-A-I. And it goes to Calvary. That's, what did I say it was? 1491 years? So that's about the time frame. And it was given to the um, Jews. Now, prior to the law, the other dispensations... Uh, man had been allowed by God to govern himself. Now, what God is going to do is God is going to set up a commonwealth form of government. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 12 mentions the word commonwealth to us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 says this, and that at that that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. I looked up commonwealth. Commonwealth is a republican form of government. You know, they're always calling us a democracy. Our forefathers did not start a democracy. They started a republic. 
a republic is that the power is in the hands of the people. And the people may elect people to represent them and then to follow the laws of the Constitution. Our, our forefathers set up the Constitution so that government would not control the people, but the people would control the government. God is setting up a commonwealth, a Republican form of government, where the power of the people is to obey God's laws. And then God is going to have representatives to represent him. Really what it is, the government was going to be a theocracy. Theocracy is God running the country. That's what God wanted. He had laws. He had regulations. He had a visible system of worship with a regular place of worship. And God would rule through his representative. Who was his first representative? Moses. Who was his next representative? Joshua. Who was his next representative? The judges. The judges. Okay. Um, the, the, the dispensation of law, guys, there's a lot of great history during that time. It's really a wonderful time. It's full of illustrations of God miraculously working in behalf of his chosen people. And it starts where? Egypt, 10 plagues, God doing it. Why? What do you want, what do you want Pharaoh to do? Let my people go that they may serve me. Then you have uh, the 10 plagues. Then you have the killing of the firstborn throughout Egypt. Then you have the opening of the Red Sea. You have them wandering in the wilderness and God uh, feeding them with manna and water out of a rock and all that kind of business. Uh, you can just go. He leads them around with a pillar of cloud during the day, a pillar of fire at night. It's supernatural. God, God. See, God is their head. God is their ruler. So God is providing for them. God is protecting them. God is taking care. How many times throughout the Kings and Samuel and Chronicles do you read stories of God supernaturally defeating their enemies? That's his people. There's pictures and principles there for you and I today. I am God's child. He, he is very interested in what happens to me. And he doesn't want the devil's crowd messing around with me if I'm doing what he wants me to do. It's, it's exciting, guys. Now, also, during the, um, the, the period of law, you have another covenant. And you have the Mosaic. They call it covenant. This is a covenant that the Lord makes with Moses. Let's go to Exodus 19. There's a condition. This is a conditional covenant. This is a conditional covenant that God is going to make with Moses and his chosen people. Let's pick up in, uh, oh, verse, uh, let's start in verse 1. 
In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were, to, and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and to the house of Israel. The law was given to the Jews. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and I have bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, there's the next very important word, if. That means it's a conditional covenant. If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. So with this covenant, God is going to give what you and I know as the law. Now, when you talk about the law, we're not just talking about the Ten Commandments, okay? But the first law that God gives is in Exodus chapter 20, and that is the Ten Commandments. That's called the moral law. Exodus 20, the whole chapter. It starts there in verse 3. Thou shalt have no other God before me. You all know the commandments. That is it. That's interesting verse, verse number 6. And showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. The second aspect of the law that God gave under Moses' covenant was what we would refer to as the civil law. That would be Exodus chapter 21, 22, and part of 23. Y'all understand what civil law is? I'll give you some examples. Verse 12 of chapter 21. He that smiteth a man so that he die shall be surely put to death. Capital punishment. Another example, verse 15, he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. I like that law. Uh, so the civil law, uh, that's where you get verse 24, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot. Some, some other uh, uh, Examples of the civil law, chapter 22 and verse 2. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make rest, full restitution. I like that word. When was the last time in America you heard about thieves stealing something, they had to turn it back in. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his threats. That sounds like slavery, servitude. 
paying off your debts. That's where we've, we, 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 our forefathers basically had used that Bible for a lot of the civil laws of America, but we've gotten so far from them today with the ACLU people and all that kind of foolishness that now the victims are the guilty ones and the criminals are the innocent ones, which is really an abomination to the Lord. So you have the moral law, you have the civil law, just a few examples. Then you have what we call the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law is about building the tabernacle, the priesthood, the order of services, the, the sacrifices, and all like that. Now listen, when you get to Calvary, okay, the ceremonial law is done away with because Christ has fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law. But you don't do away with the moral law. You don't do away with the civil law. Those are applicable to today for our lives. And, and it would make a great country if we would get back to following the civil laws of the word of God. I mean, to put a murderer in jail and keep him alive for 40 years is just, it's just ridiculous. Okay, and then in chapter 31, we have the sign of the covenant that God made with Moses. Exodus 31, verse number 12. Exodus 31, verse number 12. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths ye shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. I'd say God was pretty strong about the Sabbath. That meant a whole lot to him, didn't it? For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord, whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, I understand that we are not under the ceremonial law, and the Sabbath was a ceremonial law. But in the New Testament, it talks about the first day of the week being the Lord's day. And he said that the Sabbath was a sign so all those Gentiles identified those Jews because they did what? They observed the Sabbath. Well, I think as born-again Christians, the Lord established the first day of the week as the day to gather together, take up the offerings, etc. And I think that we can make an application that it is a sign to this world that we are children of God. We are setting this day aside for God, not because we have to, but because we want to. We want to give him a day and honor him and glorify him. Now, I was talking to Tim 
When you're with Tim Green, there's lots of talking going back and forth. When Tim and I were kids, nothing was open, guys, on Sunday. America was truly a Christian nation. There would be a few gas stations open. There would be a few, uh, one or two restaurants open. But most everything, stores, businesses, there wasn't the malls like we have today. And there wasn't the Targets and the Walmarts. But uh, there was some, uh, what they called department stores. They were all closed on Sunday. In fact, Wanamaker, that he mentioned there, who was a Philadelphia businessman, and he had large, large downtown city store, he would put curtains on his show windows so people could not window shop on the Lord's Day and f- to honor that day. And, and, but in my, okay, in the years that I have been saved, I have seen independent Bible-believing Baptist people go from being real strong on Sunday to being, well, you know, well, got to work or, you know, got to visit Aunt Lucy or got to go on vacation or got to cut the grass or some stupid thing. And we have lost that testimony to the world. Uh, every time, every, every Sunday, if you pass uh, that, that grocery store down here, Dutchway, they have that sign with the cross, closed to observe. Every time I pass them, I ask God to bless them. When I pass those barns in my development there, I ask God to curse them. I do. They, they serve liquor. They're open on the Lord's Day. They play the devil's music at loud decibels. I pray for God to curse them. I'm probably making money hand over fist, but I'm still praying for God to curse them. Just because somebody's successful doesn't mean they got God's blessing on them. So uh, I want to show you that the covenant that God made with Moses was sealed with blood. Look at Exodus 24, verse number one. Exodus 24, verse number one. The Bible says, and he said unto Moses, come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, listen, where is Moses getting these messages? He's getting them from God. God is ruling. It's a theocracy setting up where he rules, but he has a representative. Moses is his representative. He tells Moses, Moses tells the people, and the people do what? They do what Moses tells them to do because that's what God has. Listen, guys, in the church, as born-again Christians, we have God's representatives. We have the men of God, the preachers. They take the word of God with the Holy Ghost of God. And he has promised to guide you into all. That's why we bring our Bibles. We don't bring our Bibles just to air them out. We bring our Bibles to see what does the word of God say that the preacher is preaching to us. It's verified by the Holy Ghost of God. This is the way walk ye in it. We're getting this. uh, I was reading a little something about this cancel culture. What's happening is it's coming into the church. I didn't like the way the preacher said that. 
I didn't like the vocabulary that he used when he was preaching. That's the cancel culture. Do you follow me? And human emotions have nothing to do with what God says. It's delivering the word of God. We need to be real careful about that world, I'll tell you that. And so, uh, uh, verse number four, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and rose up early in the morning, and built an altar under the hill, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young... And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord hath said we will do, and be obedient." That's the condition of the covenant, obedience to the word of God. Verse 8, and Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So God gives the covenant to Moses. It's conditioned on obedience. The covenant has the moral law, the civil law, the ceremonial law. The sign of the covenant is keeping the Sabbath day, and then the covenant is sealed with the blood sacrifice as it's sprinkled over them. Uh, in Acts chapter 7, this is interesting. Let's go to Acts chapter 7, and then you can get 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Acts chapter 7. Look at verse 37. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give us. Huh, church in the wilderness. Well, when we're, that's what we, we're in. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 now. I want to learn all I can about God's church. So when he mentions something about the church, I want to look into it, delve into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be what? You know what God does not want us to be? Ignorant. But you know what? If you're not going to learn, you know what he's going to let you do? Be ignorant. He said to do what? Study to show yourself approved. He said to search the scriptures. We will search a whole lot of stuff. We will study a whole lot of stuff. But if our priority is in the Lord, we'll be looking at the wrong things. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased. Do we want to be in that category? No. So what do we need? We need to not be ignorant. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things, 
talking about what happened in the Old Testament church of the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things. Did the Jews lust? You know, they were whining about the leeks and the garlic. Remember that? And the Bible says that God uh, heard their cry and sent uh, what they wanted for their flesh, but then sent leanness to their souls. That's not you know, what we don't want to be there. So he said, should not lust after other things as they also lusted. Neither be ye what? Okay, New Testament Christians, they see idolatry. What's the first word that should come to our mind? Idolatry. No. Covetousness. Covetousness. Run that word. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat, to drink, rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication. As some of them that committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happen unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Guys, you, you read that Old Testament and you read the, under that dispensational law, there's a lot of great history there, but there's a lot of great lessons for us to learn. The Bible puts it out there for us just like that. Okay, we have, uh, in during that dispensation, of course, Moses dies. Deuteronomy chapter 30, the Lord gives a Palestinian government, which I'll look at next week. Uh, after uh, what I want to do is show you. Look at Joshua chapter 1. Moses has died. Joshua chapter 1. Whose responsibility is it to get the right leader in? Well, it's God's responsibility because it's a theocracy. He is running the country. So it should be God's choice for a leader. Joshua 1 verse 1. Now, After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness... And this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers. And then it continues on down there. For time's sake, it won't go on. So what I'm trying to get at is that as this dispensation of law goes on, God chose Moses. 
God chose Joshua to fulfill, I mean, to fill the shoes of, uh, God chose Joshua to fill uh, Moses' shoes and goes on. Uh, You read the book of Joshua, that is about the conquest of the promised land. It's actually about 500 years after God had called Abram. And then after Joshua, you have the time of the judges. And I'm out of time, probably. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll pick up with that next week. Period of the judges. According to Acts chapter 13 and verse 20, the judges lasted 450 years. And there were 15 judges. Through the book of Judges, uh, that's great reading. And then you'll get into that. We get, get into the kings and all like that. Any questions? Yes. I'm sorry. For uh, yeah, with the law, you mean? Yes, the law started 1491 BC, according to Usher's chronology. 1491, and it goes to Calvary, and Usher says Calvary was 33 AD. Anything else? Guys, thanks for coming. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and I love these uh, young people, and I thank you for their desire to learn the Word of God and Spirit of God. I pray you'd guide and direct them into the truth, help them to make personal application in their lives. I pray for Pastor Matt and Brother Dan that you'd fill them as they teach. And Lord, uh, we pray once again for Erica. I thank you for a church that has Erica on their mind and in their heart and in their prayers. And Lord, would you please put your hand on her and the baby. We commit them to thee, Father. You are the great physician. You are their heavenly Father and Savior, and you want the very best for them. So, Father, we put it in thy hands, and we pray thy will please be done. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Take a break.